to the book of Joshua, regardless that my notes say John. We're in Joshua chapter number one. I'll have to fix that when I get home. I did say Joshua to start with, right? Okay. Joshua chapter one. We're going to read the first nine verses and then kind of go back through. Today is, um, it is the day that we're going to celebrate graduations. And uh, as it was planned, uh, we were going to be doing it tonight. And so I thought about um, maybe trying to do a challenge to our graduates and something really that I haven't done before, uh, maybe mention a couple of things here or there. Uh, but uh, through the last month or so that it's been planned, God's really been kind of working on my heart. And then it ended up uh, that we had to, to rearrange the day's services and uh, the fellowship landed in the morning. And so I, I'm, I'm kind of torn, not on what to preach, but on what to include. And so you may get some extra credit this morning, uh, or you may just get what I've got. I don't know. Um, but you may get some extra this morning. I'm not sure. Uh, if you've got your place in the book of Joshua, chapter number one, will you say amen for me? I'm thankful for the Spirit of God that moves as He wants to move. And uh, that will move on someone and say, let's sing that verse again. And then that will move on someone and sing a song as Miss Allie just sang. And I, I sat there as she sang and I wondered, okay, should we do another song? Should we change direction of this thing? And... Uh, as soon as I stood up to come to the pulpit, God said, no, go ahead and preach. And so, there's someone here that needs the message this morning. Even though it is directed to Kaylee and Ashlyn, um, I, would, I would be ashamed this morning if I only preached to two people in a room or a house full of folks. And so, this morning, my prayer is and has been that God use the message to touch all of us. I use the word graduation several times today, but I don't want us to get so bogged down on that or on the event this afternoon, but I do want us to get something from God's Word. So verse number 1, Joshua chapter number 1, Now after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spake unto Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' minister, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, thou and all this people, unto the land which I do give to them, even to the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your feet shall tread upon, that have I given unto you, as I said unto Moses. Verse 4. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, even unto the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, and unto the great sea toward the going down of the sun, shall be your coast. There shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. As I was with Moses, so will I be with thee. I will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. Need about three people to say amen right there. Be strong and of a good courage, 
For unto this people shalt thou divide for an inheritance the land which I swear unto their fathers to give them. Only be thou strong and very courageous that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded thee. Turn not from it to the right hand or to the left, that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth. I'm going to read that verse again. I ran into this thing not having a text, but I think I just found it. Y'all follow with me. This book of the law, which law? The one that Moses, God's servant, commanded Joshua. The Word of God. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein. In what? The law, the Word of God. Day and night that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. In what? The Word of God. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then shalt thou, or thou shalt have good success. Have not I commanded thee? Be strong and of a good courage. Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed. For the Lord thy God is with thee, whithersoever thou goest. If the Lord will help me today, I want to preach on this thought, something new for Joshua. Something new for Joshua. Now, now we remember Joshua in several different ways. Uh, one way you remember that Joshua's, Joshua was with Moses on Mount Sinai when he received the law. Now, he wasn't there, he wasn't in the presence of God as was Moses, but he was on the mountain, maybe halfway, three quarters, I don't know, seven eighths. He was on the mountain with Moses, okay? Uh, Aaron and all the people of Israel were down in the valley, and, and what ended up happening? They began to worship false gods. They will not get into that. That's one of those extra credits you'll have to seek on your own. But they were out in the, in the, or down in the valley rather, and they were doing things ungodly. While we don't read a lot about Joshua being there on that mountain, we don't read about what he did for those 40 days, we know that he was there. Okay? So not only that, but he was also one of the twelve spies to go into Canaan. He was one of two, him and Caleb, that came back and said, Hey, Mr. Mr. Moses, we can win against everybody there in Canaan. You don't have any worries. But it was those other ten that came back, and they were fearful, and they were, they were afraid and said, There's no way, there's giants in the land. So we know that Joshua, we, we read there in verse number, uh, verse number six, verse number seven, and then, uh, also in verse number nine that he ought to be strong. Well, he was strong. He was strong. He was, he was a man that we can remember based on his faithful strength. But God said, be strong in those three verses. So we also know in Exodus chapter number 17 that he was the one down in the valley while Moses was on the top of the mountain. You may remember that Moses was given the command to fight with the people of Amalek. And he said, Moses, as long as you hold up your rod, then Israel will prevail. But if you let down that rod, Amalek will prevail. And so think, we don't have any deacons, but we've got good godly men here that will lift up the preacher's hands every once in a while. And Aaron and Hur got on either side of Moses and lift up. He said, if God said, as long as your hands would be lifted, we'd be victorious. Mr. Moses, we're going to help you. 
And so one and one equaled two. Amen. And so they held up his hands until the going down of the sun and Israel prevailed over Amalek. But Joshua was down in the valley and he was fighting a battle. The Bible says at the end of chapter number 17 that he discomfited Amalek with the sword. Not discomforted, he discomfited. In other words, he confused him. Amalek, <laughs> he was, he was a grandson of Esau. He could, he was a type of the flesh, Ashton. He could not understand how this little podunk army could be so victorious. It had nothing to do really with the army. It had everything to do with the commander in chief. That was God, amen. So we remember Joshua for, for these several things. He was Moses' second in command, if I could say it like that way. He's also the one that fought in the battle of Jericho, okay? And so you remember those walls of Jericho, they came down. But now in, in the text that we read, the first nine verses, we find, and here's that word, Joshua graduates, for lack of a better word, and he becomes the leader of Israel. Now, this will end up being the greatest challenge of Joshua's life. Not that battle of Jericho, not some of those other things, but the very fact that he is now the leader, he is out in the forefront, and he is the one that everybody's looking to. So we see that this is a great challenge, but I want us to look at pretty much all of these nine verses And let's look at what they have to say about what is new in Joshua's life. Number one, God had a plan for Joshua's life. If you look back at verse number one, it gives us, this is not God talking here. This is, this is Joshua writing and he says, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, uh, it came to pass that the Lord spake unto Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' minister, saying, Joshua is pinning this introduction and he says, hey y'all, and I know your King James Bible don't say the word y'all, but I think it's implied. He said, hey y'all, Moses is dead, and I don't know how much time has passed, but there's been a little bit of time passed, and then Jehovah, look at it, it says Lord, all in capital letters, that is Jehovah, that is the self-existent one, that is the one that is, that was, and that will be, alright, that is Jehovah. And he says, Jehovah came to me. And he says, in case there's any doubt, he says, I am uh, the son of Nun, okay? This is the Joshua that we're talking about. He says, not only that, but I was Moses' minister. I was the one that was with him, that helped him, that encouraged him, that did his commands, that, 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 that ministered to him in his times of, time of need. But I told you that there was something new for Joshua, and God had a plan. So that we gotta look at verse number two. God said there in, or Joshua said in verse number one, that Jehovah came to talk to him. Verse number two, he says, God says, Moses is dead. Now therefore arise and go over this Jordan and all this people unto the land which I do give to them, even to the children of Israel. God had a plan, and I'll go ahead and skip to the end of this thought. God has a plan. For you as well. You two young ladies, I want you to know that God has a plan for you. But outside of these two, for today's events, I want you to know, church, that God 
has a plan for you. If you're just willy-nilly going through life and you're just waiting on God, it may be that you've outstripped God and you've gotten, uh, you, you've gotten to the point where you quit listening to God. And so you're not hearing His will. You're not desiring. Maybe you're not seeking His will. But I want you to know that every person on the sound of my voice this morning, God has a plan for your life. You may be here and you may be a young boy or a young girl. You may be a teenager. You may be a young adult. Maybe you're a middle-aged. Maybe you're a senior adult. But I want you to know that whether young or old, there is a plan of God for your life. Now, we have to look at something. We have to understand that Joshua had been born in slavery. Matter of fact, everybody that we find here in this passage had been born in slavery. And by all accounts, according to Joshua, his future was nothing but slavery. For 400 years, they were in bondage. And for 400 years, the little baby was born and the little baby died being in slavery. So why would Joshua think it would be anything different. Uh, one writer said, born during the weary years of bondage, Joshua knew something of the lash of the whip, the almost impossible task in the brick fields. But I want you to know this morning that God's plan surpassed even Joshua's. We, from an early age, we begin to plan our lives. We, we see a, a um, we, maybe we see a, a, a shiny fire truck and, and we, I want to be a fireman. And then we see the flashing lights of a police car. I want to be a policeman. Or maybe, maybe a police officer comes to school and he's got that vest and he's got those guns and hand, I want to be a police officer. Maybe some of you ladies, you fall into that too. Or maybe, maybe you want to be, I don't know, maybe a nurse or, or maybe you want to be a doctor or a lawyer. Maybe you ladies, you begin to plan your wedding at an early age and you've got your dress designed. You've got what flowers you want. You've got, you've got everything except Except the man. Most boys, they go into marriage not really knowing anything until the preacher says, do you or do you don't? And then they try to figure it out real quick. (laughs) I wish we had a microphone back there. By all accounts... Everything that Joshua planned was surrounded by slavery. But God's plan surpassed what Joshua planned. Notice what he says here in verse number 2. He says, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, who is he talking to? God is talking to Joshua. Arise, go over this Jordan, thou and all of this people. Joshua was delivered from slavery. There's a man named Moses that entered his life. He had a mighty significant impact on his life. Who he would become as a young man and then an old man as he dies towards the end of the book. We, we find that Moses had an impact. Can I, can I encourage you two young ladies, but all of you today, to find someone that's going to have a godly impact on your life. Find someone or let someone find you that's going to be able to impact your life for the good of God. We, we look at, we look for heroes, we look for mentors in all places under the sun. 
But the very ones that want to mentor you, and we don't use that word mentor in our circles of churches. Alright, but it's a good word. There's a lot of things that we don't talk about in church that we probably should. Well, a couple of weeks ago, Brother David talked about politics in Sunday school. And, and I, I agree with him. Everything that he said, I agree with him. But one statement that he said was, we, it's frowned upon to talk about politics in the pulpit. I say hogwash and pfft. It's there that we need to teach our people and to preach about the godly things that we should be bringing into effect in our country, in our lives. But the mentors, those men and those ladies, Paul taught the, Paul taught in Timothy that the old women should train the young women. And the old men should train the young men. But guess what? A lot of the younger, they're trying to figure it out on their own for two reasons. Number one, they're too, too, uh, stubborn to ask for help. And I don't mean this like it's going to sound. The word that I'm about to say means a lack of knowledge. They are too ignorant to know that they need a mentor so they don't go look for one. But then also the old men and the old women, they are not offering any help for the younger. But I'm glad that Moses came into Joshua's life. At that first Passover, I told you that he was delivered from slavery. At that first Passover, when the angel of death would be coming through, and they put that blood on the doorpost and on the lintel there in Egypt, and, and, and all of the firstborn in the land of Egypt died unless they had that blood on their homes. Joshua was delivered that night by the blood. I told you what Herbert Lockyer said. Born during the weary days of bondage, years of bondage, Joshua knew something of the lash of the whip, the almost impossible task in the brick fields. But it goes on. He also knew the deep sigh of liberty. He was a slave, but he was set free. I'm thankful for the day that I got set free from the bondage that I was in. I'm thankful today for the bondage that I was in and that it was set free. Or I was set free from it. If, and I've mentioned this before and I'll not bore you with it, but if everyone knew the whole of my testimony, you would be shocked and ashamed. But I'm glad that the bondage that had me so bound and so imprisoned, I'm glad this morning that there was a holy God in heaven that came down and set me free from those things and liberated me. The Bible says in the book of John that the Son set me free, and guess what? I'm free indeed. God's plan then begins to unfold. You saw there in verse number 1 that He was Moses' minister. We also see that Moses died. Now, I need to, I need to, to tell you this. We need to, as young folks, you need to be careful. As adults, we need to be careful who we are getting our, our, um, instruction from. I have, I have had to, to temper this in and of myself 
because certain people speak and I'm thinking they are so close to God. Surely that's the Holy Ghost telling me what to do. Can I tell you this? God may use a minister. God may use a teacher. He may use a mentor. He may use any of those people, a friend to speak some truth in your life. But nothing can, nothing, nothing can over overpower uh, the leading of the Holy Ghost. Said Moses was dead. That one that you're depending on, they may die. They may breathe their last breath. What are you going to do then? Young folks, I encourage you. Adults, I encourage you. Get to know the Lord. I'm reading a book about Timothy. And Timothy, being a Greek, he did not, even though he was saved, he did not understand the moving of the Holy Ghost. And so as Paul began, before he got that Macedonian vision, as Paul began to seek the Lord about where they needed to go next, Timothy, he said, I'll follow you, but I don't know what this means to be led by the Holy Spirit of God. You see, we we receive the Spirit of God when we're saved. We preached the other night about being filled with the Holy Ghost. We receive the Spirit of God. But there's times, and I believe this is this is more often than not, individuals, newly saved, young folks, adults, and even elder, they do not know how to follow the leading of the Holy Ghost. So they depend on men and women. And what happens to men and women? They fall. And I don't want to be too crude, or they die. But God doesn't. God has a plan in your life. Young ladies, I want you to know this. I'm trying to hurry. I want you to know this. God has a plan in your life. We're still on point number one, unfortunately. But I want you to see that God has a specific plan in your life. Church, in your life, God has a specific... Not all of you are called to be a preacher. To my knowledge, there's only a handful that are called into the ministry of preaching the gospel. Now, every single one of us are commanded to go into the world and preach the gospel to every creature. All of us are to do that. But there are some that are called. The Bible speaks of some are pastors, some are evangelists, and so on and so forth. But I want us to know this morning that God has a specific plan. How do do I know this? And it says in verse number 1 that the Lord spake unto Joshua. Outside, young young ladies, outside of your parents, you need to be careful following everyone else's will for your life. Can I have about three more people say amen right there? I've had a lot of people tell me what God's will was for my life. And they were no more involved and they cared no more about God's bidding in my life than the man in the moon. But I'm glad that beyond it all, God was able to overstep the influence that they had and speak to my heart. I'm not talking ill of my daddy, but the day that we told him that God was dealing with our hearts about moving to America, he said, that ain't a will for you. He said, absolutely not. Well, what he didn't know, I'd already been married for 20 years. I've been living out of the house for 20 years. But what y'all don't know is my daddy's still my daddy. Can somebody say amen right there? And I still went to my daddy. You know what he did? He got upset. Am I telling you right? He, he got upset that we were talking about moving until the next day. 
Because he went somewhere and he prayed. He said, now God... (laughs) He said, now God, this is your son more than it is mine. And I'm just trusting in you. See, that, that that would do us all good. If we think we know the will of God in everyone's lives, it'd be good if we got back and we went into the prayer calls and one, prayed for God's will in our lives, and then two, said, God, I can't tell him, her, she, it, whatever. I can't tell them what to do. God, I'm just trusting you. Outside of your parents, be careful following everyone else's will. God will speak to you just as He spoke to Joshua. One of these days He's going to say, Kaylee Russell, maybe already has. One of these days he's going to say, Ashlyn Burke, maybe he already has. I'm not talking about for salvation, but I'm talking about for direction. And every one of us need that direction in our lives. So, we see that Joshua was spoken to directly by God. It's a specific plan. Now, and just kind of in passing, there was a time, I remember growing up, that every decision that I made, I went to my preacher. That's the way I was brought up. I went to my preacher. I asked my preacher, what do you think? Can you help me pray about this? Is there a scripture? Is there any counsel that you have for that? That's not the way it is anymore. That's the way it should be. But that's not the way it is. People are making decisions. Mamas and daddies, and, and that's, that, that, listen, they need to help their children make decisions. But mamas and daddies, need to also include their preacher, their pastor, their spiritual leader in helping to make these decisions. They still need to make the decision. Don't misunderstand. But they need some godly counsel. Too often that preacher is only sought when things go bad. And then he's got to try to figure out how to mend those broken fences. It's a specific plan. It's a good plan. It's one that goes beyond our dreams. He was following Moses. He was the minister of Moses. But now Moses is dead. And Brother Benji, he is saying, uh, guess what? You need to get up and you need to go to the other side of Jordan. And you're going to lead these people. We have no inclination that that's what was going to happen. And I don't know that Joshua had any inclination. If you look back to the end of Deuteronomy, you do see in verse number 9 where Joshua was basically uh, anointed by the hands of Moses. So we know that there was something to be done, but I don't know that Joshua had a a complete idea of what it was. Your plan may be to go from point A to point B, but God may want you to stay in point A for a while, or He might take you all the way to point Z. We need to be obedient. You young ladies need to be obedient to what God has in store for you. It's also a plan that comes by total surrender. Joshua showed his surrender while he was under Moses. When we come to chapter number 1 of the book of Joshua, it's not a new character that we're introduced to. It's not someone that, that like the book of Job, that he was perfect and um, upright. That's, that's not what we see there. Because we have seen through the, the previous four books how that Joshua was obedient and Joshua was commendable by Moses. And so we understand that he proved his worth or his surrender while he was under Moses. And because of that, God honored him. 
And because God honored him, you could see later that he obeyed. Number two, not only do we see that God had a plan for Joshua's life, but God had a promise for Joshua's life. Verse 3 down through verse number 5. I don't know that I'll read it again. But you see in 3 and 4 that he had a promise of blessing. God had already promised this land to Moses. And he says, as I promised it to Moses, so I'm promising to you. It was a promise of blessing. Not only that, but in verse number 5, I do need to read this. It was a promise of his presence. He said, there shall not be any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. As I was with Moses, so will I be with thee. I will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. It's a promise of His presence. There will come a day in you two ladies' life and in others' lives when the only presence that you have is the presence of God. This, this, this thought just hit me. There may come a day in some of our lives, Kurt, then we don't even have the presence of mind. We have lost, and I'm not being silly, but we have lost our minds. Dementia has taken a hold of us. But he, whoo, we, even when we don't remember him, I'm glad that he'll remember us. He's promised that He would never leave us. He promised that He would never forsake thee. He promised that He would never fail us. And so I'm glad today that God's promise for Joshua's life is a promise of His blessing. He said there's going to come men and they're going to stand against you, but they will not be victorious. He said, I made Moses the promise, now I'm making you the promise. He says, I will not fail thee and I will not forsake thee. There's a promise of protection there. I encourage you to, to really get this thought today. That be, I'm going to give you a series of statements. Being in God's will does not mean you'll miss out on some time, some tough times. Just because you are in God's will and you're following God's will, that does not mean that things will always go your way. Being in God's will does not mean that you won't have some rejections. Being in the will of God means that maybe your friend rejects you. Maybe that one that you've had a relationship with rejects you. Maybe someone at a, at a, at a job rejects you. Maybe someone in your church rejects you because you're trying to seek and follow the will of God. Keep on seeking. And keep on following. Rejection may come, but you stay with the Lord. But being in God's will does mean that He will not fail us. It means that He will not forsake us. Number three, God's Word was the secret of Joshua's life. God's Word was the secret of Joshua's life. I, I, I made emphasis on the, the Word of God there in verse number 7, verse number 8, and verse number 9. The Word of God. For the Christian, success. I'm not talking about monetary success. I'm talking about being able to die without regrets. Talking about to be able to die and, 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 and you know that the people that are going to be speaking at your funeral 
from the date of your birth to the date of your death and all that lies between there, having a successful Christian life means that, yes, you may have fallen, you may have stumbled, you may have dirtied yourself in sin or in trouble in something, but through it all you've come back to God and God's received the glory from the things that He's done in your life. The, the successful Christian life is when it's all said and done. That people could say, that was God's son or daughter. The success in being a Christian, it comes by having the Word of God in us. And it comes by us being in the Word of God. There's a lot of folks that they get up every morning and they read their Bible. So they are in the Word of God. But the Word of God is not in them. There's a difference. Having God's Word in us builds faith. Having the Word of God in us, it enables us to overcome temptation and it brings about growth. I I, I wonder this morning, is the Word of God a part of your life? Girls, you're graduated now. You've got decisions to make. Is the Word of God part of your daily life? We can all be guilty of this. We get up and we look at this the first, first 30 minutes of our day. We go to bed looking at this the last hour of our day. Is the Word of God part of your day? I preached a message years ago. Only preached it twice that I know of. Examining the spare tire. May have preached it here one time. Like I said, years ago. I don't remember. But I pulled a spare tire out of my car. I've given this illustration before though. And this particular spare tire was from underneath the vehicle. So guess what's underneath your vehicle? Dirt, mud, grease. A lot of times we, we treat God like a spare tire. We treat His Word like a spare tire. We're going through trouble and we're like, Oh God, if you will, let my finger fall where it can help me. And here you are, you're in the book of Ecclesiastes and all He says is all is vain. What, what, when do you use a spare tire? When you have a flat. Here's the sad reality of it. Most of the time, if you need it, and it's been years since you've used that spare tire. It's probably flat itself. Or dry rotted. Or you don't know where it is. Or it's dirty. Do you realize that there's a speed limit for that spare tire? Some of them are up to 55. Some of them are down to 35. There's a limit on it. There's no limit to God's Word. There, there, there's a weight limit. You, I couldn't put a spare tire from uh, Ford Focus on your truck, Nick. Number one, it wouldn't mount up right. But number two, if it did, the weight would not work. But God's Word will fit any situation. And it'll help in any time, good or bad. There's a lot more that we could say about those things. A spare tire is only for temporary use, Nathan. 
Now that you're starting to drive, if God forbid you have a flat tire on the side of the road or whatever it may be, you come out and the tire is flat, and so you go to all the extent of of changing that tire, and you got your little spare tire on there. The the right thing to do is to leave your house and go get a new tire and put it on and get back off of that emergency spare tire. How many spare tires have you seen around this community that are bald? It's because, it's because they, they're, they're putting their trust in that spare tire. But it's only going to take you so far. Matthew 24, 35. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away. I'm about to run and slap three people on my way out the door. There's something about the Word of God. And if we'd have it in us and we would get in it, then we wouldn't have to worry about using it as a spare tire. We could use it because we've hid it in our hearts. We've established. We've allowed God to establish. We've, we've, uh, uh, what does the Word say here in verse number 7 or 8? I believe it is. Meditate therein day and night. Do not depart out of thy mouth. Don't let it depart. God and His Word was the secret for Joshua's life. Do you have a desire to read and to study the Word of God? Whew. Boy, that we can say a lot there. I've been in the book of Genesis since January 1st of 2022 been trying to write my own thoughts about it. I'm on chapter 18. A year and a half. We could go through that in the beginning, God. We could go through that. And then that there was a serpent and he was more subtle than any beast of the field. We could say, yea, hath God said. We could talk about the, that, how that Abel's blood cried out from the ground. And we can hit some of those high points, but is that truly studying the Word of God? And I understand, don't miss You may not have to study like I do. This is a calling on my life. And so it's not only my job, but it's my calling. So I need to be in the Word. But I think the Word of God, all of those men that have died so that you can have the Word of God, They died in vain if you never pick it up. Or if you read it so casually, you get done. You say, well, I'm done. I don't have any idea what I've just read, but at least I read it. Girls, get in the Word of God, but let it get in you. I do want to speak specifically to Kaylee and to Rachel just for a minute. We can, so Dave, if you don't care, come. Whoever, it don't matter to me, just come and play. In Numbers chapter number 13, this is the conclusion. In Numbers chapter 13, Joshua's name was changed. It was changed to Joshua. Okay, so this is one of those parenthetical uh, passages of Scripture, and he is saying, this happened some time ago, okay? Moses, by God, changed Joshua's name from Oshea. Which means God saves. Notice the tense. God 
saves. He will save. One day he will. God saves O'Shea. Moses called O'Shea Joshua, which means Jehovah is salvation. So O'Shea meant God will. Joshua means God has, and God currently is, and God will. I say it all over and over. That little word is, is the perpetual present tense. No matter when you read it, it is now. And so, Moses said, Joshua, your name means that God will save. But because of what God has done in your life, I'm going to call you Joshua. Because God is salvation. I can see it in you. Now, the word Kaylee. You can find all kinds of information about the word Kaylee. Different spellings. Different meanings. The one that I found over and over, the two that I found over, was beauty and lovely. That ought to make you feel good. Beauty and lovely. Now, I was there. I was sitting on the pew... Kaylee, that night in February of 2019, when you bowed right here and you asked the Lord to save you, that night God didn't change your name, but He changed you. He changed who you are and He changed who you would become. He changed your destination. (laughs) Y'all watch out for a second. He changed your designation. No longer were you a sinner, but you are now a saint. Now you are a daughter of God. So God didn't change your name, but He changed you. Ashlyn, your name pretty much was made up at the time. But it means... A dream or a vision. That's what Ashlyn means. I was there the night that you got saved. I was there the night that fear overwhelmed you. And you said, Daddy, I've got to go to the altar. I was there the night that I tried to talk you out of going to the altar and said, no, just wait. We'll get home and we'll talk about it. And you grabbed my arm and you said, no, Daddy, I've got to go. I was there the night that only God could satisfy the need in your life. That night, God didn't change your name. But God changed your heart. He changed you. So, as we think about the changing of Joshua... And we think about the, the changing of Kaylee and the, the changing of Ashlyn. I want us to know today that the same God that changed these three individuals and many of us in here tonight, today, God can do the same thing for you 
and never bat an eye. I have no idea what these two were dealing with in their hearts. I saw them praying. Prayed with them. Gave them Scripture. But I don't know the condition of their heart. Nor do I know the condition of yours. But I'm so thankful that God does and God is still willing to make a change in your life. How do you do that? We could go through a laundry list of things that maybe needs to be done. We could give you the ABCs of salvation. We could take you down the Romans road. But I believe we can say it very clearly like this. If you would trust in the Lord Jesus Christ with all your heart, God will take it from there. And that's the, that's the most simplest way that we can say it this morning. If you, you see, if you trust in God with all your heart, then God will change you. And all of those other things that we tend to, to add on there, not trying to add to salvation or take away from it, but all of those things come. So when you trust God, you repent and you say, God, I'm not worthy of it. And He says, I know you're not. But my son was. See, when you trust God, you say, God, will you forgive me? He says, I already have. When you trust God, you, 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 you depend on Him and so you stop doing those things that you've done that's got you into this predicament. When you trust God, God changes you. You see, Kaylee and Ashlyn, the reason that you are different today is not because of a name change, but it's because you've been made new from the inside out. I ask you, if you will, to bow your heads this morning. Let's pray. If you have a need, won't you come? If you see somebody that comes down to pray, won't you just pray with them? You may not know what they're praying about, but just just pray with them. Father, we love You today and we thank You for Your blessings. We thank You, God, for the message today. We thank You for Your Word. And God, I ask You, if You will, just to let Your Word speak to the hearts that are in this building. God, we do pray that You'd help Kaylee and Ashlyn as they've now graduated. God, we think back just last year and the year before. Lord, there's pretty new graduates in here. God, one is about to graduate from college again. And God, we thank You, Lord, for Your blessings in their lives. But my prayer today is upon every single person in this place is that You allow us to get in Your Word and You allow Your Word to get in us. We ask You today for every single person in this place, young or old, Lord, if they do not know You as their Savior, I pray that You would call their names today. And I pray that You draw them to an altar and allow them to trust in You. God, if there's someone that they've been beaten down and they've been battered all week or for the last months, God, I pray that You'd help them 
to trust in You today. We ask You to do a work in our hearts. We thank You in Jesus' name.